right, we're back, and we're right at the fork. And this morning, we're going to go right to the A's. Arcadia Bistro's Adam Higgs uh, is going to be with us, and um, he's an interesting uh, character to talk to about the Portland food scene. He's uh, obviously the roots of this uh, city and its food go back further than the year 2000, but for a lot of people, this really started to germinate then. And Adam is a guy who came from Omaha, Nebraska to Portland for the same reason that many chefs come here, um, uh, because it's not an expensive city and there's a creative uh, framework involved. And um, so he came in 2000, started at uh, La Berge, uh, restaurant, and uh, within a couple of years, he was the executive chef, or chef owner, I suppose, chef partner at uh, Acadia Bistro, and then bought the um, bought the other co-owners out, and now he's been running his own restaurant here in Portland, in Northeast, on Fremont, uh, for a number of years. Um, it's a consistent place, New Orleans Fair. And uh, one of my favorites, and Adam is also one of my favorite chefs. I think he's a nice guy. He commands presence when he's in his restaurant talking to people, and um, we had a great talk with him. Um, You're going to find him uh, at Acadia Bistro, and he'll give us all the appropriate places to find him on the web. You can find Right at the Fork on the web at rightatthefork.com. Friend us on Facebook, Right at the Fork there, and then... On Twitter, as food poodca- podcast, food food podcast, PDX. So let's go. Let's talk to Adam. Hey, how are you doing? Good to see you. Make yourself at home over there. He's got the promotional T-shirt. What's the back say? Uh, that says shrimp pimp. Shrimp pimp. Yeah. Shrimpin' ain't easy. <laughs> you realize you can get arrested in some places for that. I've yeah, I've heard, I've for shrimp pimping? I don't know. I just you know, I'm sure it could happen somewhere. Misconstrued. It's yeah. a litigious society. Totally. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. Ah, my pleasure. You know, um I think the last time I saw you. Maybe I've seen you since then, but it was the Crawfish Festival. Yeah, the Crawfish Festival. Well, you're a gracious man at that Crawfish Festival. <laughs> well, you know, it's you know, you get out there and you, you do what you do and see what happens, you know. So what happened was um, I actually was a judge, and um, I think there were six or eight. I think there were six different people yeah, cooking so, yeah. there. And somehow I know I had you... Uh, this is transparency on my part. I had you at the top, and I know that two other of the six other judges did, and somehow you didn't. The guy at the Holiday Inn in Wilsonville was the Crawfish Festival winner. Well, you know, I I didn't get to try all the food, so you know, I I did. I wasn't a and judge. There, there wasn't, you know, your etouffee was um, certainly a lot. <laughs> we need a little mic help over there, Court. Oh, that's a- Tighten up a little bit there, huh? Your 
Etouffee was just marvelous, and I know Thank other you. people did. But so anyway, my point was that I was really pissed off after that, actually, because I thought, you know, here we had uh, one of Port- Portland's most prominent New Orleans cuisine chef doing his thing, did it well, and somehow the guy at the Holiday Inn, and he, you know, no, all just all respect to him. But uh, and then when I contacted you afterwards, you were all okay with it. I know there are chefs that wouldn't have been okay with it. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's a, it's an event. You go out there, you have fun. You know, uh, it you're not gonna win all the time, I suppose. But um, it, it was fun to get out and support the crawfish festival. To the toilet and chamber. Yeah, I hear uh, it's it's under new management now. I didn't. I thought it was just managed by the, the Crawfish oh, Festival. Well, and it was run by a, yeah. a bank. Yeah, Columbia Bank. Actually, I don't know if they're still doing it. But um, so you know, you seem that day, even though you were gracious, you're a competitive soul, and you're a big guy, and which I hate to mention right up front <laughs> because uh, I have experience with that. Not because I'm a big guy, but I have a son who first thing anybody says to him is, "Wow, you're so tall," and it immediately sets things off in the wrong direction. But uh, my question to you is, were you athletic? Were you involved? Did I play in basketball? Yeah, no. <laughs> That's usually the next question. Um, well, I, you're a big Blazers fan. I know you're a huge Blazer fan. Um, yeah, I like the Blazers. Oh, uh-huh. you're not? Yeah. Well, you're, yeah, yeah, no. you're, you're friendly with some of the Blazers. I, I am, that. yeah. yeah. We do some, we, I do some work with, uh, with some of them. Uh, Antonio Harvey, we do a little cooking show together occasionally, so. Cool. Uh, but yeah, I mean, who, who, I don't have another that, another team to root for. So, go, uh, go Blazers. Yeah, I know. I wish we had baseball. Are you so? So yeah. did you do? And you, so you grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah, yeah they they did. You, you don't want me on your team uh, if we're playing a, a sports type event, an athletic sporting event. You don't want me on your team. So did you try when you were a kid and then learn the hard way? Uh, I mean, I enjoyed. <clears throat> <clears throat> Excuse me, running and playing, you know, but um, definitely not very coordinated. Um, not <laughs> dribble the ball off the foot type of stuff. So not not a not a good not a good athlete. Well, you're good with a knife. And when <laughs> did, when did you discover that? Um, I started cooking pretty young, probably you know four, two, making cookies with my mom. Four, five, four. I think. Believe there's still somewhere a recipe I wrote with some help when I was about six, so it's probably floating around in some old, old <laughs> was recipe box. Was your mom a really good cook? She was very good cook. Yes. And, uh, and what kind of things was it? Meat and potatoes in Nebraska. I hate to um, be so stereotypical. Yeah, it was pretty. You know, it was pretty. You know, pre- what you think of dinner in the midwest that's you know my my father grew up on a farm so his grandmother was a great cook or my my grandma was a great cook his mom was a great cook so um pretty much every day you know you, dinner was six o'clock fried chicken mashed potatoes you know some vegetables um uh so she pretty much cooked every day and um yeah and what does your dad do uh he is now retired but he was a uh a salesman what did he sell sold boxes Interesting. So you didn't you didn't pick that up and say I want to be in boxes. It's actually corrugated containers if you want to get specific right, you know, right. for the meat meat packing industry. But Oh, it uh, must have been pretty vibrant yeah. back there. Yeah, totally. I think then he went on to do uh uh he sold sort of uh warehousing infrastructure, uh conveyor conveyor lines and you know, Omaha steaks type stuff. 
Oh, cool. Yeah. So what got you from, at what point did you leave Nebraska and did you come directly out here? Um, yes, I moved to Portland in 2000. Uh, just kind of change a, change a scenery. It kind of uh, worked worked through the restaurant scene in Omaha and was pretty How much... How long did that take? Um, about 10 years. Okay. Uh, <laughs> did you work almost everywhere? Or? Uh, the first place I worked actually called V Mertz, uh, which is still open. Um, and it's sort of in the, the old market area of Omaha, which is sort of a quaint downtown area, you know, brick streets, and they have the horse and the carriage thing. And, you know, there's lots of shops. But um, uh, I started there as a dishwasher when I was 15 and worked there about seven years. When I left, I was the head chef. Uh, and it's sort of a French uh, continental. So at 22, you were the head chef. Uh-huh. Yeah, That's I, pretty cool. Just, I don't see many head chefs at 22. <laughs> you know, we sat about 70 people, but it was very, very fine dining, extensive wine list. Um, you know, it's 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 pretty. it was pretty much the highest end you could get. You know, we changed the menu every week. It was a handwritten menu. Um, so a lot of high-end ingredients. Got to work with a lot of different chefs through that time, and it was really great to just to kind of be brought up in that atmosphere. So, you know, it was every week, what are you, you going to make this week? You know, you've, you've got your station, you get to input on it. So, Did the menu change? Uh, every often? week. Oh, really? Uh, every week, yeah. It was handwritten. They would literally write it and then copy it on legal size paper. Were they sourcing from local farms? Well, I, I, we, I would think the, the protein they did. But. Um, we had all kinds of people in there, um, and this was, you know, 93 or 94, 95. Uh, so, I mean, even even when I was in high school and working there, there's a farmer coming in with some big thing of herbs and vegetables, you know, the local veal guy, the local lamb guy, the beef guy. There is um, no local veal guy here. There sure isn't. <laughs> there's uh, not, I mean, in, when I grew up in Connecticut, veal was the staple on almost every menu. And there's, of course, a lot of Italian restaurants there, but you don't see it here. Uh, you can get it. There's, you know, um, I know uh, Nikki's been yeah, Nikki Farms and bringing in some some nice stuff, uh, but it's only like once a year, I think. You very um, you rarely see it on the menu. This guy was, so I believe his name was Rodney Rosebud Veal. Is it Rosebud? Oh, Rosebud Veal. That was in, in Omaha. Oh, that's yeah. very nice. Rosebud is. I I love Rosebud. Yeah. Um, so it was, you know, it seemed kind of the norm to me to to buy from these folks. Um, so I, you know. It, that's just how it was. Like, oh, the herb guy's here with two garbage bags full of fresh basil. So, you know, what are you... <laughs> Careful, because in a year or two, when the herb guy shows up, that's going to be a different deal. <laughs> well, it was, yeah, when I moved to Portland, for sure. You didn't want to mix that mix <laughs> right, and match exactly. your words. So what what attracted you to Portland in 2000? Because there certainly wasn't the food scene then than there, that there is 14 years later. Uh, you know, it felt... Uh, from what I had read and, and did some research, it was going to be my time. The the girlfriend at the time and her brother, the girlfriend, uh, she yeah, eventually wife, eventually ex wife. Mm -hmm. So, uh, girlfriend at the time and her brother were were going to move out here. He was going to go to Western Culinary, mm -hmm. uh, and it just seemed like a cheaper. You know, San Francisco was a pretty expensive, and Seattle I had been a few times, but it never really was exciting to me. Um, Portland seemed like you could really kind of get in on some, you know, it's going to be pretty big, a pretty big food city in the next few years. So 
You know how many chefs have that story that they're here because yeah. it was not San Francisco and it was not Seattle. Yeah, totally. I, and it was, you know, it was like, well, Matt wanted to go to Western, so um, you know, here we here we were. We got an apartment right behind Zupan's on 23rd there and um, and moved. So you started at La Bourge, is that? Uh, I moved. Yep, got a job uh, at La Berge. La Berge, uh-huh. sorry. La um, My French uh, isn't. Yeah, is a yeah. They have a lot of extra vowels. <laughs> well, uh, I apostrophe. took French as a kid. Shows you yeah. how much I was paying attention. Um, I got a job there as sort of a sous chef, and it was quickly promoted to the chef. Um, it was, you know, in its last days, which I was kind of unaware of when you. <laughs> Yeah, the internal problems you never know you know coming into a new a new city and um, where was it and who was was anybody uh, we know it had been open it? it had been open 30 years um, it was sort of a french uh institution in portland um michael veter opened it originally on burnside who had also opened genoa um and it had moved to 26th and vaughn um which is a, it was a big old house that had been a few other restaurants mm-hmm. Uh, it's now Merryweather's. Okay. Um, but always had a huge parking lot and a big garden in the back, and um, yeah, it was it was it was fun. It was a they had a big bistro area and a dining room, but it was very it was very dated, and um, fa- came to find that the current owner, who had been the landlord, just sort of took over the restaurant and uh, was not really a, a restaurant. <laughs> he was a retired lawyer, so. Um, wasn't really, you know, he wanted, wanted the, a crab cake and a, you know, a, a razor clam sandwich, which are delicious. No, nothing wrong with that stuff, but, um, you know, wanted to create a little bit more than that. So, and, and so you were there how many, how long and before you um, landed at Acadia? Not, Bistro? it was about a year, year and a half I was mm-hmm. there and I, uh, it was kind of a funny story. I, you know, I wasn't making a lot of money there and, uh, uh, Sarah and I, my my, girl, my girlfriend at the time, had we had decided perhaps that we should move to New Orleans because that was a favorite city of ours. So we started kind of searching for jobs. Um, you know, the internet in 2000 is a little different than it is today. Mm-hmm. But no poached, um, no poached. So uh, no poached jobs. So we we were kind of looking, and it said New Orleans chef. So kind of responded to the ad, and it turned out that it was a. Uh, a restaurant in Portland that was just opening that <laughs> was looking for a, a, a chef, a New Orleans chef. So uh, turned out to meet Bud Delot. So they were running that ad in, in New Orleans? Um, th- I believe so. And that's where you saw it. You were looking for a yeah. job. In, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Convenient for interviewing yeah. anyway. Uh-huh. Very, yeah. Very interesting. So uh, it was uh, Bud and his partner, Rob, who had... Uh, moved here, but as a New Orleans native, uh, to open Acadia, and they had just got stuff rolling, and uh, you know decided to take on another chef uh, partner, and it, it seemed to work out. So that's great. Yeah. But, so was there anything else like it in Portland at the time? Um, you know, it, it, there was other great restaurants, you know, that were here and already open, but uh, uh, you know, we were really focused on sort of a a fine dining New Orleans experience, which is, it gets a little harder to to classify the farther you get away from New Orleans. You know, it's um, so far removed and most people just think po' boys and, 
and jambalaya and you know of, of course we do that kind of stuff but um you know what we really focused on was uh at the time we had white tablecloths you know there was crystal wine glass on the table it was um we were doing a three course tasting menu or four course tasting menu every night um, we kind of tweaked that around but it was really showcasing our, the gulf seafood that we get in so uh, that meant and still means weekly trips to the airport to pick up the seafood and uh, the drumfish, the head-on shrimp, um, crawfish, soft-shell blue crabs, blue crab meat, you know, and catfish that's uh, wild-caught. So just a lot of this uh, indigenous product that we're, um, you know, able to cook in Portland um, and use, you know, local ingredients as well. But. So you make trips down there to New Orleans often. So are you identifying your suppliers and meeting with them when you go? Yeah, totally. Uh, uh, we definitely met with our fish lady uh, from Harlan's last time we were there. And, uh, you know, we're always kind of looking around and, and uh, going to say hi to folks we knew at, at restaurants and mainly just eating. It's a tough. It's, it's tough, a hard trip. It's a tar- yeah, it's a hard job, it. yeah. <laughs> So how often do you go down? Uh, I try to go at least once a year. Um, a little overdue right now, but hopefully I'll get down there this year at some point. And um, so you make New Orleans is kind of a business trip yeah, and a yeah. pleasure trip. Yeah. Um, it, hey, it, three me- three full meals at restaurants a day is tough. Yeah. It's uh, well, we've all done that, <laughs> and and for a week. Yeah. There's not a lot of salads down there. No. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's fairly rich food. So, where else do you like to travel for food experiences? When you, um, you know, it for a, a long part of my life, I did not travel anywhere. I was working. Um, you know, I I was very uh, very determined work ethic. So, uh, you know, I had always wanted a restaurant, and um, that's that's what I did. I worked. So, uh, you know, it was twenty eight when I took over. Acadia, you know, bought out the other partners. So um, I continued to work a lot. Uh, I have recently started traveling with uh, a new girlfriend, Christine. She's great. Um, uh, she does not work in the restaurant industry, which is a good thing uh, in a lot of ways. So um, is she understanding of your she is, the, the yes. time commitment and the yeah what it takes for you? Y- yes, I I it's probably good I'm at work. You know, I. I too much. I don't know how much of Adam anybody can take. Well, that's very <laughs> humble of you. I think there are probably most people who think of it the other way, but um, but yeah, that's she, she probably gets as much as she needs, and, <laughs> and she eats well. I'm sure. Do you cook much at home? I do not. No, really. So um, what? Do you, so what do you eat at home? Christine is a great cook. Great. Yeah. So you, she gets that end of it, but you are a wine lover, and you've got. Uh, you've got you've got a little collection, I understand. I do have a, a wine cellar at home. You know, we moved not too a couple of years ago, um, not too far from Acadia, so I was able to build a nice little wine cellar there. Um, so that's fun. So, uh, so every what time do you get off of work? Uh, probably leave around nine or ten. So do you go home and eat with Christina I, then? I, she's at, probably oh, already eaten. She <laughs> she goes to bed. Uh, you know, shortly after I get home, she's. Gets up early, um, so works at Intel, so she's early riser, meetings type stuff. So, well, um, that's probably what keeps everything fresh. Yeah, that you're, yeah. you're kind of ships that pass in the night <laughs> here and there. So I, 
Acadia is one of my favorite restaurants and was from the get-go. So I moved here in 2005. It was probably a year or so later that I was starting to understand that there was a food scene in Portland. I didn't know when I moved here. Um, Acadia was always top of my list. And then later when I became a little more entrenched and people asked where my favorite places were, bing, right there. And uh, always happy to and people, it wasn't necessarily always everyone's expected top five. And (laughs) I think it deserves to be there um, wholeheartedly. Every time I've eaten there and I've introduced uh, my friend Gary the foodie, Mm -hmm. who's very particular, has been all over the world, and you're one of his favorite chefs in in Portland. Yeah, I I would like to have his travel schedule. It looks... His dining yeah, he's it. the guy. <laughs> I've asked him, too. Come on, tell me when you're going. I'd love to just... And he really prefers... We have a good time when we eat together, but mm-hmm. he's perfectly fine with eating by himself. Yep. And um, and he enjoys that. But my question is, um, so you've been cooking New Orleans fare for a long time. Mm-hmm. Do you ever get to the point where you wish you could branch out and say, you know, I just almost want to start a new restaurant that doesn't do this, or maybe do some dishes here uh, it's just one of the things I noticed with chefs after a while, they feel right. they have to branch out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely always, always a, uh, a thought, you know, what, what to do next, but, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta plan these things out and, uh, you know, take them, take them slowly. You don't want to pressure anything. So, uh, definitely lots of ideas for the future, but, um, haven't done them as yet. So is anybody doing something in Portland that, uh, you you particularly find interesting that you're excited about now because it's let's face it it's easy to keep getting excited in portland and then after a while that's the norm so right yeah um i mean there's you know when i do go to eat out there's lots of places i like you know i'm i'm i know a lot of folks in town and thankfully ox is pretty close to my house and work um so i enjoy eating a lot of large amounts of meat there uh, <laughs> um where else do I go? And it's yeah. not all about the meat at Ox, too. It's, no, it's no. great meat, yeah, but they do everything so they do. wonderfully. Yeah. Nice people, too. You know? I see them walking their dogs, say hello. What kind of no. dogs do they have? Um, I know it's, it's Mabel and Nico yeah. are their dogs. I don't necessarily know. I don't remember. I don't want to, but I've seen them mm-hmm. in pictures. You're, you have a dog who you're I, very fond of. I do, Gandalf. Gandalf. Yeah. And what's Gandalf? He, uh, he's a greater Swiss mountain dog. Uh, that's the actual yeah, breed, greater Swiss. He's a great, yeah, not a lesser Swiss. Not a lesser Swiss. So how old is Gandalf? Gandalf's about 11 months. Oh, pup. <clears throat> He's a puppy, uh, like 120 pounds. He got really big. That's big at, at 11 months. Yeah. Have you always been a dog person? Um, I am. A, I'm an animal lover. I like animals, so yeah. I'll, I'll take them, whatever they are. I mean, he's, you know, I won't eat them. But, you know. Well, you'll eat other animals. Yeah. I, you know, I, that's an interesting discussion. But I always wonder, <laughs> I, I'm a dog lover myself. I'm a meat lover. And at some, there are moments, many moments that I have that I have to square my love of meat with, you know, this wasn't. And how do you do that as a chef? Um, uh, well, I guess, you know, you have to look at your cultural taboos and, and decide for yourself if you want to, you know, if you're going to raise a herd of <laughs> A herd of dogs for for meat consumption. I don't know. No, I'm not. I'm not even going there with dogs. But I, you know, as a as someone, literally, I tell myself, well, I can eat this meat, but I didn't actually butcher 
right. the animal. So yeah, it's nice to have a connection to you know where your meat came from and know it was treated properly and know you know you know have a a good feeling about that. You know you try and you try and purchase things accordingly. Um, you know being inquisitive about your product you're buying helps a lot, and um, thankfully that's easy to do these days. Uh, you know with purveyors and all the information out there about where where things have come from. So so you're really hands-on. You own it, but you mm-hmm. are away some of the time. Who are some of the folks at Acadia who keep it going, Every, at, you know, spinning wonderfully? Yeah, everybody there is great. Uh, we have a great staff right now, um, you know, pretty pretty small staff, but uh, everybody does a great job. Uh, Angie's been with me for a long time. She actually worked at Lauberge, um with me, uh, so she's been there a long time. Our manager, Bo, uh, is is doing great things with the the cocktails and the the front of house staff and of course Seamus uh, sous chef Seamus uh, also known as Chips call him Chips uh, he's been with with me about six years or so so he's uh, he's definitely a, a keeper you know be hard to do it without him so you're you're sounds like you've got a lot of longevity there you're a good guy to work for that's not always the case. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I treat people, I, I try and treat people with respect and how I would like to be treated. And, uh, I'm usually a firm believer in, um, leading by example. Um, perhaps that's not always the case, but, uh, you know, if, if something needs doing, I, I should get to doing it, you know, if, uh, so know, everybody knows the style and the, the kitchen runs pretty smoothly because, You've already set the tone, and people have been there for a while. Definitely. And it uh, allows you to get away once in a while. How often are you not at the restaurant? Um, it really depends. Uh, most of the time I'm there six days a week or so. Uh, and, you know, we have lunch on Wednesday, which is just one day a week. Uh, so a lot of times I'll take Wednesday night off, and then we're closed on Sunday. How is lunch business? Because I've been there for some of your specials, and it's it's if people pay attention on your yeah. Twitter feed, which, by the way, is Acadia Bistro Acadia, PDX. Acadia PDX. Acadia yeah. PDX. Uh-huh. Um, they're going to see what your specials are, and that's a great spot for Wednesday lunch. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's kind of the, the secret lunch. You know, we get a lot of industry people and uh, wine industry people and restaurant industry people, and uh, it's kind of it's kind of a fun crowd. There's a group of guys uh, um, that come in. Pretty much every week, uh, uh, at least two of them, uh, some of our best customers, and he's from New Orleans, Paul, and uh, they have a, a lunch every week, like a couple of Sazeracs to start, some entrees, they each bring a bottle of wine, uh, after dinner, brandies and cognacs, so uh, if you're ever in for lunch, you know, they're they're the guys over over at the table, You, they always, uh, always will, would love to have you join. It sounds like a Don Draper and Roger kind of thing. Uh, that, that was the... Yeah, some of them go back to work sometimes, I think. So I don't know how that works, but uh, I know a couple of them are retired. So That's a high compliment that the folks are from New Orleans and mm-hmm. they're there every week. Yeah, he he's uh, he's one of our, our, our biggest fans, so he's, uh, he's there every week. Um, so do you get a lot of people who, because I know this is a syndrome, 
who come in and think they know more of, about New Orleans food than you do, and they and they want to make it clear up front that they're the experts, sure. so they're the ones to judge you. Of course, yeah, yeah. A lot of people do come in, and um, you know, we do cater to a lot of uh, New Orleans uh, expats and transplants and uh, people who grew up there um, as a as a base clientele. And then you know, you do have people who find you, and and they're like, well. And they like to start off with saying they're from New Orleans. You know, we're, you know, we're you're gonna check it out. So um, most of the time, they leave pretty happy. Uh, Do they let you know when they're not? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, the the thing is, I mean, just take any of those dishes. You know, well, this gumbo isn't like the gumbo my mom made. I'm like, well, you know, I mean, there's millions of ways to make a good gumbo, um, and you know, not one's, you know, maybe different than the other, but. Um, you know, you you can't you couldn't expect I couldn't expect someone to make fried chicken as good as my mother. So, um, you know, it's it's very, you know, it's it's hard to hard to hit the the dot with exactly what people think a gumbo should be or an etouffee should be or a, a jambalaya should be. So, but as a creative person, have you learned to take everything with a grain of salt? Oh sure, uh, reviews yeah. and <laughs> yeah, I think you have You've to. Had a couple of reviews in your time. Uh, yeah, there's I've. We've had some reviews. Um, I think you definitely have to take it with a grain of salt. Um, if it's a negative review, I, I think that you should use that as a as a uh, a learning a learning curve, you know, a scorecard. Like, hey, you know, maybe this person had a bad time um, here, and I want to find out, you know, why, uh, you know, and try and and identify the problems and and fix them. Uh, sometimes, you know, if they're they're more but they're not always, you know, they're not always objective. They're, they're not. Sometimes people have problems with the most ridiculous <laughs> things. They do, um, you know, and you're never going to make those people happy. But, uh, you know, you try and do the best you can. And um, there's also the aspect of serving what you want, what you feel is good and what you want to serve. Um, you know, we're not going to change the way we make our, our barbecue shrimp or something uh, because someone – Thought it Which, was... by the way, I love your barbecued <laughs> shrimp. A lot of bread dipping that is fantastic. I used to be uh, a big Ruth's Chris barbecue shrimp fan, mm-hmm. and then when I had yours, I didn't feel the need to bother it's with it. It's all about either. the shrimp heads, you know. You got to get get the right product in there. So, um, do you? Uh, and this is putting you on the spot a little bit, uh-huh. but <laughs> do you have any? Uh, do any? Uh, interactions with customers come to mind where they were particularly unreasonable and ridiculous that were pretty humorous? Um, there, you know, one does come to mind. It was a couple years ago now, but it was probably the closest I've ever been to asking someone to leave, uh, which I've never done. You know, I, I always, you know, I always feel the customer is always right and, you know, try and instill that in the staff and um, try and take care of people that way. But, you know, this, there was a table, uh, a couple of uh, women had ordered some soft-shell crabs, um, and they wanted them breaded differently than we normally do, and they wanted them pan-fried, which we normally just deep-fry them. You know, it's crispier, um, and we don't have a lot of, a lot of it sort of pan space and stove set up. You know, there's a, it's a pretty small kitchen, so I agreed to do it. Yes, that's fine, and uh, sent out some perfectly perfectly cooked soft shell crabs to this woman. And she sent them back without even having tried them, saying they were overcooked and, and too dark. Not even a bite. She, no, not even a bite. Um, she just looked at them and she, uh, and 
you know, already <laughs> I was a little, a little upset. It was very busy, you know, and they were, they were, they were great looking. I mean, they, they were right. So where do you go with it? So what, what is she? She she said, if your chef knows how to cook crabs, you, there shouldn't be any color on them when they're when they come out of the pan. I'm like, well, it's like raw. That's going to be like raw flour. It's not going to be good. But you know, she, I so I I made them less crispy and delicious. Um, uh, sent them out. Always a chef's goal is to go for <laughs> less crispy. And I'm like, does she like them now? She said she's eating them, but they're not as good. And she then left me a recipe for oh, nice. <laughs> um, Did she show up on Yelp? Uh, this, I think, this was before Yelp got oh, thank God. got big. Um, but yeah, I was, I was pretty. I mean, because those are expensive suckers. Those, you know, soft shell crabs. Where do they come from? Where do you? We get them from New Orleans. Yeah, they're um, great. I've they're, had I've had your soft shell crab. I've had everything there. I mean, they, well, you know, there's a. And we haven't gotten to the pork chop yet, which to me is the you have the king of pork, Portland pork chops. Well, thank you for that. Um, uh, but yeah, those crabs, you know, that that's, those things cost me five bucks each. You know, you're I've just threw away three of them for this woman. So and you know, she still didn't like it. But you know, day a day in the life, right? Yeah. Well, that sounds like <laughs> you know at least you should have. Pro- well, you didn't have maybe a live crab. Alaskan king crab mm-hmm. to attack her with. That probably yeah. would have been that would have been an interesting sight. Yeah. So what what do you love most about what you do? Um, you know, I've always loved working in restaurants. It was just sort of uh, right the first day I started as a dishwasher. I was like, wow, this is great. There's lots of stuff going on. There's cool things happening. Um, there's interesting people, <laughs> um, interesting people working. So. Uh, uh, I, I I really like the just the day to day operations cooking, you know, is a is a one of my favorite things to do. So I'm happy that I can do it for a living. Um and you've been doing it a long time. So you really yeah. have to love it if you're yeah. still saying that. Yeah. Um the, you're what, you're in what year well twenty eight you're you're a couple of decades yep. into going into a kitchen every day. Yeah, yeah. And so what is it that if you could Delegate something that you don't like doing. <laughs> what is it that you would delegate to somebody else that you haven't already delegated? Uh, or, or maybe something that you did delegate that you're just not good at and you don't like doing it. Yeah, well, when you start out as a line cook and have aspirations to be a, a chef um, or a restaurant owner, you definitely don't think about, um, you know, finances, uh, uh, cash flow, payroll, um, you know, accounting, uh, <laughs> uh, promotions, you know, uh, handling all the things that have you know, taking care of a business, um, it definitely takes a, a lot of time. So, you know, that's, that's something that, that has to be done. Um, and are you still doing all of that or do you have, uh, I, I still do a lot of it, uh, for recently promoted manager. So he's, he's taken some of that off my hands, which is great. Um, but you know, you, you always have to kind of be there as the owner. You, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to just, delegate away everything. Um, I guess that's what happens when you retire, but I'm not quite there yet. No, no, I think you're (laughs) a couple years away anyway. So um, you have a lot of people now, a little different from when you showed up in Portland in 2000, but there are a lot of Mm -hmm. people who hear about the scene now and want to come here. They're in the food business. What would you, you know, obviously people are looking for different things, but at some point they'd like to be where you are. What would your advice be to 
a young chap like you in two, but in 2014 uh, as to how, late, to, how, how to attack the Portland right. food scene. Uh, how to attack it. You know, I think it's kind of the, the age-old, you know, chef uh, adage, you know, go just go knock on doors, see, you know, see if you can work for someone for a little while, you know, just get your foot in somewhere. A lot of, I think a lot of, um, especially, especially younger kids coming out of culinary school um, don't feel as though they need to, you know, certain things. In my experience, I've seen that certain things are beneath them or they don't want to start uh, at the at the bottom, which is usually washing dishes. Do you think that's generational um, nowadays? Uh, it might be a little generational, but I also think it's uh, just the majority of people are pumped out of these uh, institutions and schools, and you know it doesn't really. I don't know if too many people fail out of those schools as long as they, if they have financing. I think a lot of them are just, you're okay. There you go. So uh, the folks the the folks who do come in and you know are are, are humble and. And like, hey, I just want a chance. Uh, well, sometimes that means that you got to clean out the floor drain under the dishwasher. <laughs> or uh, I'll, I'll show you how to do it. Here, I'll do it. And <laughs> sometimes you have <laughs> don't to don't walk out while while yeah, you're I'm yeah, in front you, of you. I mean, some the restaurant work is is tough work, and it takes a lot of long hours. And um, you know, if, if you're not dedicated, if if you think you can just jump ahead and and get there without hard work, I. I mean, maybe you can, but that hasn't been my experience. I don't think you can do that here. So you started, you mentioned Ox before. Mm-hmm. Um, you started to talk about some of the places that you like to go. I I enjoy letting people hear where chefs like to go. So keep going. Where, where else do you uh, like to go? Well, it, you know, it's, it's always, you know, I don't get a lot of time off, so we don't go out quite as much as possible. Um, but uh, where have we been recently? Um I like to go to Le Pigeon. This Gabriel went to Little Bird not too long ago. That was delicious. And I, you turned me on to Hele Pele. That's that's cool. Yeah, place. Blair we used to work for us. Um, right. uh, that's one of my favorite places. Uh, those drinks are delicious. Um, there, it's a fun place too. Yeah, it's not, if you, if yeah, you, it's really cool. I would definitely. Uh, I always encourage people to visit. Cause it's a very cool bar. Um, uh, where else? Well, I went to Clyde's Prime Rib on Sunday. That was an experience. I have never been there. <laughs> what? Tell us about that experience, just in a nutshell. Oh, like, it's on Sandy, maybe 60th or something. Oh, okay, the, I know yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, you know, doesn't look like anything's changed for about 20 years. The prime rib Zeppelin that comes to your table. and Yeah, it's prime rib, you know, what are you going to do? How was it? Sunday night. Yeah, it's prime rib. I know. You put some horseradish good... on there, you get some but salt. But how thick was the cut? I mean, did they... <laughs> Uh, it was a thick cut. It was a thick cut. I mean, look at me. Good. I'm a big guy. Yeah, you got, that's why, you know, I remember where my grandmother used to joke, we went to Peter Luger's, mm-hmm. and, and they had uh, the Engineman's cut, which was always, you know, pretty, look to me, Chris, can you handle the Engineman's cut? <laughs> so, I don't know. But haven't ordered prime rib in a long time. Do you make prime rib? Uh, Rodney, Rodney does an amazing prime rib. At I usually, Rodney. I do not make prime rib too often, no. I'll, I'll enjoy a delicious ribeye steak, but so the, what is the secret to your pork chop? The pork chop? Yes, because it's it's phenomenal. Um, well, I I mean it's a pretty simple brining process. Uh, I you know I, I maybe maybe that's the secret. Uh, it's or it could be that I'm in the mood when I'm there, yeah. but 
Um, yeah, a pretty simple brine. You know, it really uh, keeps the keeps it juicy throughout, a little more tender. Um, yeah, the trick, it's a thick, thick pork chop, it, so it's not easy to keep a, te- a it thick is. pork chop it's, that tender. Yes, it is. It's it's still a fairly large pork chop. It's not the super thick one we used to do, which, by the way, you can request by calling ahead a okay. couple days. Give me good, a couple days. Good to know. So when, when you say that you used to do, when was that? Because I may be thinking of that. Uh, it's been a couple years now. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, those were... Those were 28 ounces, I think. So they were, you know, there was a lot of waste there. It might have been, but it's good to take home. It's good to take home. Sandwiches. Yep. Uh huh. Um, Well, you know, we had to kind of take a look at that. That was that's another. You know, you run a restaurant, prices are going up. Um, You see people taking a lot of it home. Uh, You know, we're going to have to start charging a lot more for that. Uh, It also would take a good 45 minutes to to cook. so you never know when somebody's going to order that, and uh, it's hard to book book your reservations. We do take reservations, um, which a lot of places do not now. So given that we take reservations, it's tough to, you know, you want to make sure you have a consistent time. What's the best time to get? Uh, uh, is it open table, or do you take reservations uh, directly? What's your favorite? Just give us a call, um, and we can write it down. Okay. So you look up. Uh, on the web, it's yeah. Acadia Bistro. Uh, Acadia PDX. Sorry, or, I keep doing that. Or Creola PDX. Okay. Either one. Uh-huh. And then Twitter, again, was... Acadia PDX. And Facebook, you it's, it's, find yeah. under Acadia, Acadia Bistro. Bistro. Yep. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, thank you uh, so much. For, oh, and Insta- do you have an Instagram? Uh, I do, we do. It's Acadia PDX, and then I think mine is Chef Adam Higgs. Oh, that's right. And you're pretty active on Twitter. So. Oh, you, you, you know. You How do you have time to do that? I, you, <laughs> is you your know, phone pretty greasy? I, you know, I try to I try to get a lot of that out there, but I also try to not instill in my employees that, that I'm encouraging cell phone usage during work. So right, right. Lead by example again, right? Well, thanks for uh, coming to join us. Of it's course. It's been really nice. Yeah, thanks for having me. Ah, my pleasure, always. Please come again. I will. So that was fun. I knew it would be fun. I know Adam. Yeah, he's big, friendly giant. He the is, gentle giant. He is gentle. He's a good guy. <laughs> he's also a great chef, too. Yeah. You've worked with him um, as his publicist. I have. So Full you disclosure. Him, yeah, you know him a little more intimately than I do. He's, and, you know, he is exactly as what you heard. He is just sweet, good natured, doesn't get his. Feathers ruffled easily and lovely to work with. And I'll tell you, you mentioned the shrimp dish, and I would say this whether he was a client or not, but that shrimp dish is amazing. And I don't eat shrimp that often. I'm a slightly allergic. And I, I, I very near lick my plate every single time that I have it, and I have it often. It's awesome. Are you a, are you a regular plate licker? I am... Well, <laughs> depends on if I'm in public or not. <laughs> uh, well, it's good, of you, it's good of you to tell us, though. That's, uh, that's an interesting image. Um, but he, um, Adam, Acadia Bistro is not always in the conversation when people are talking because it's been around. That's the problem with Port. Not one of the problems yeah. is you have so many restaurants out there that are great, but they're not new. And he, no matter who... I've taken there or who I've suggested go there. Uh, everybody's always loved Acadia. We did 
an event. I humbly mentioned Portland Food Adventures, but we did an event with him. And it was one of the restaurants that a lot of people had not heard of Mm -hmm. because it wasn't new. So you have a lot of new, and everybody really enjoyed it. Uh, I mentioned, you know, Gary the foodie. He's been back numerous times since because that was his first exposure. And he actually called me and said, I've never been there. I live nearby. Should I go? And and he enjoyed it a lot. That's great. And that's, you know, that's what we talked about in in creating this whole show is we need to give exposure to those great restaurants that aren't always mentioned on on the top tier lists because it's really hard to break into those lists. And after a while, you feel like you're seeing the same people over and over again. And there are are other restaurants worth mentioning. And even if you weren't a client, I would... I would root for for Adam any day. Yeah, he's he's great. And you know, we're in a city where the and all cities on Eater have a the the Eater 38 the the heat map. Yeah, it's tough to stay on that 38, and that's a lot of restaurants. So um, it's definitely one of the most uh, delicious experiences you can have in Portland. And the room is really cool. It's yeah. a nice place. It's intimate. It's a great little neighborhood spot. You feel like you've found a little gem tucked away in Portland. I brought a bunch of people there for New Year's and we had a fantastic time. And it's a great backdrop for photography. One of my Mm. favorite food pictures that I have was of some people eating outside under the awning, the black and white awning at at Acadia Bistro. Nice. We need to put that up on Facebook. We will. All right. Remind me.